Hi, I'm Rosie, and you're listening to the second season of What Does Your Family Look Like? Welcome back to the last episode about mom. We left off last episode with dad's death and her learning how to drive at 62. Well, it was relatively smooth sailing for her for many years until it wasn't. To continue with mom's story, she finally moved back to Baltimore when she was 67, happy to be reunited with family. She made an amazing life for herself after dad died. Her friends at the apartment building where she lived kept her busy and very content. Then life came to an abrupt halt. She had a blockage in her colon, which led to a permanent colostomy. Not only did she have to look at her scarred chest, but now she had to deal with a colostomy bag. And here's the thing. She was a young woman at the time of her breast cancer, and as a young woman, she had the resilience to endure the aftermath of the mastectomy. How in the world would she muster the courage to deal with a colostomy at 84? I'm here to tell you she handled it with grace and a lot of support from Meme and myself. After her prolonged stay at the hospital, she came to live with me and Tony with the help of my siblings. You can't help being self-conscious when wearing a colostomy bag. One of the biggest fears being you are certain everybody can tell. We worked hard retrofitting some of her clothes, buying new ones, and finding new styles to conceal her ostomy bag. She placed her full trust in us, allowing us to care for her the way we saw fit. Her ability to adapt and accept life's challenges made it that much easier to manage her care. I hope I remember that if and when I reach an age where I may need assistance. Well, during the three years mom lived with us, she also had to deal with a Parkinson's diagnosis. The late onset kept it from progressing quickly, and thankfully, the prescribed medicine really helped. But again, she had to face another setback. Like a prize fighter, she came back swinging. At 87, her hardest challenge was about to unfold. Her son, Meyer, got pancreatic cancer. Meyer went into the hospital for the Whipple procedure, which we were hoping would buy him many years of relatively good health. However, once they began the procedure, it became abundantly clear to the surgeon that the cancer was too far gone to operate, so they closed him up, leaving chemo as the only option. He lived for about another three years, in and out of the hospital, until the fight was over. I can remember when they were they were both Meyer and mother were on walkers. Oh gosh. Remember we took her over to see Meyer. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh that was the hard that and was he the was, last time. It was really toward almost the end mm -hmm. of his life. Mm -hmm. And when they said, you know, they kissed goodbye when they were we were leaving, it was Okay. It was all you could do not right. to, to uh break up. Right. Here you got a mother 
and a son saying you Sang- know saying goodbye you had a lovely afternoon mm-hmm. and they were both on their walkers it mm-hmm. was very it was very it, it, it was poignant and yes it was sad mm-hmm. I remember like yesterday telling mom to prepare herself for what was to come down the road soon seriously how the hell do you do that To date, this was the hardest time in my life. How do you tell a mother of 90 that her 61-year-old son was about to die? He died on a March afternoon. Watching mom grieve was a double grief for me and my sister. It was hard enough losing our brother, but watching mom lose her only son was heartbreaking. It's not the course of nature for a parent to outlive a child, no matter the age of the child. Well, we had the funeral and sat shiva as is our custom in the Jewish religion, and I was sure our mother, bereft from the loss, would soon leave us as well. But no, not Belle, not the Energizer Bunny. She grieved silently and, as always, carried on a little slower now, with a little less sparkle in her eyes. But she lived for three more years. Until at 93, she had another blockage, which was inoperable, and nature took its course. At the time of her death, I actually felt relieved for three reasons. One, I didn't have to watch her endure life without Meyer. Two, I didn't have to witness all the physical challenges she had to deal with. And three, she was with my brother and father now. My grief came later. Throughout these past episodes about mom, I've highlighted the lessons she imparted, some of which are putting one foot in front of the other and keep going, If you don't go after what you want, you'll never get it. Live by your own rules. The importance of friendships. Face your troubles head on. And it's never too late to learn something new. Here are a few lighthearted lessons we borrowed from mom's life. I'm going to pick a few up. Go ahead. Um, Always have your hair done. Every week she went to the beauty shop. Yes. Right? Yes. Wasn't a good week if you didn't get your hair done. You always need to look just so. Absolutely. Why wrap a gift lavishly <laughs> when all you're going to do is rip it open and throw the paper out? That, you know, that was very smart. Was that not smart? <laughs> she was not. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they have gift bags now. Exactly. Exactly. Um Go on vacation with your husband. If she was anything, she was about a routine. Oh, yes. Right? Rest. The routine was almost her middle name. Absolutely. After Dad died, we thought Mom would be a shell of herself, partly due to her previous bouts of depression, and also because our dad was a life-of-the-party kind of guy. She was content to be in the background. The truth is, she flourished. 
I'm not saying she was happier alone, because she wasn't. However, being self-reliant was key to her carving out this new life without Dad. It's comforting for me to look back at her 31 years of widowhood and realize she was able to make a whole different life after Dad. A good life. From her actions more than her words, I also learned the strength of asking for help. Let me emphasize this important point that I gleaned from the way she lived her life. There is no shame or weakness in mental illness or getting help through medication prescribed by professionals. It literally saved our mother's life. And her major depressive event in 1954, with the help of her doctors, she turned her life around and became the strongest version of Belle. One other lesson I learned, which I use in my life, is to be a straight shooter. Let people know where they stand with me. I can't say I do it 100% of the time, but it may be the single most important ingredient in my close relationships. I thank her for that. Mom was a blessing to all of us. We loved her just as she was, a cherished, everyday woman of her time, a good friend, a devoted wife, and a loving mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. Thank you, Mom, for being an extraordinary role model and mother. To the world, you were one person, but to us, you were the world. Well, that's a wrap. I want to take this time to thank those involved in my season two of What Does Your Family Look Like? Stephanie, Molly, Carolyn, and Miriam. I couldn't have done this season without your rich stories of your loved ones. And my great niece, Emily, who is my editor, my sound engineer, my director, and the one person in this whole endeavor that I couldn't do without. Your insight and creativity knows no bounds. Thank you for your enthusiasm to the project. As my husband says, ever since I started the idea of a podcast, I have exuded a different kind of energy. It's true. This is my passion project. I love bringing people together and listening to their stories. You never know what little gem will spark an idea. Speaking of which, I have no idea what's on tap for next season, but the mystery is part of the fun. I hope you all stay well, and I look forward to you tuning in next season. Cheers! Thank you for listening to another episode of What Does Your Family Look Like? Please like and subscribe, and follow us on all social media at WDYFLL, the podcast.